I just got back from the University of Kentucky, the Young America's Foundation. The group on campus there invited me to speak to them, and we had a great time. The topic of my speech was the left hates you, the left actually hates you, and yes, it might sound hyperbolic, but I proved, I uh, defended the title of my speech. And I think it, 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 was, it was a pretty interesting speech, if I do say so myself. But the questions at the end from the students, I really appreciate when you all come up and ask questions, by the way. I think that's some of our best dialogue, some of the most valuable time when I visit college campuses. And one of the questions in particular that one of the students at the University of Kentucky asked me at, at the conclusion of my speech, they asked about the great divorce, this idea of the radical left being so radically left, being so unconstitutional, being so tyrannical and authoritarian, is it time for red America to separate from blue America? And I won't spoil what I said, but if you want to watch this speech for yourself, you can do so on my YouTube channel. You can go to Liz Wheeler show on YouTube and you can watch this. Highly recommend. Also, if anybody listening to this show today wants to bring me to their college campus, please just invite me. I'd be happy to come. You can go to yaf.org, that is yaf.org slash Liz, yaf.org slash Liz, and invite me to your campus. And it, like I said, it's one of the most fun parts of my job. I really like meeting everyone in person. I really like speaking face-to-face, -face, having that connection, um, doing the question and answer, the live question and answer. It's of course fun when leftists ask questions to challenge the premise of what I'm saying or conservatives challenging the premise of what I'm saying too, just to fully understand what we're talking about. That's yaf.org slash Liz to invite me to your college campus. Spots are filling up quickly. So get your request in as soon as you possibly can. yaf.org slash Liz. Today on the show, I want to talk about Whoopi Goldberg. I have some thoughts about Whoopi Goldberg. So let's start right there. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. So there's consensus among conservatives and liberals right now, and there's a th sentence I so infrequently get to say, there's a consensus among left and right folks, among people on the left and the right, that Whoopi Goldberg should not have been suspended by ABC from her position on The View for her offensive Holocaust comment. So if you look, if you look anywhere, if you look at any written word about this, you look on social media, you look at published pieces, you look at commentary on other networks, the consensus is that Whoopi Goldberg should not have been suspended, but that her comment about the Holocaust was very offensive. It was. By the way, if you didn't hear what she said, they were discussing the Holocaust on The View and Whoopi Goldberg claimed that the Holocaust was not about race. She claimed that it was an example of the inhumanity of man against man and that both the Nazis and the Jews were white people. She said it wasn't about race. Now, this is obviously ahistorical. It's offensive because it is ahistorical because Hitler himself, who waged the Holocaust, viewed the Jews as an inferior race. So, Pick up a history book, learn your history, don't be offensive. But there's this consensus among the left and the right that she shouldn't have been suspended. And when I heard this, I thought to myself, hmm, I'm not sure I agree with that. And I'm not just trying to be a contrarian here. I, I, I wanna talk about the philosophy of cancel culture for a second because Whoopi Goldberg did issue an apology. She actually said, I stand corrected because other people view Jews as a race, not just a religion. And so she said, I stand corrected. She issued an apology, said she was sorry that she offended anyone and that she would learn from this experience. And I thought, okay, well, when is it appropriate to accept someone's apology and just accept it and move along versus when someone should suffer the repercussions or the consequences from the behavior that the offensive behavior that brought them to the apology that necessitated the apology in the first place. And I thought, well, 
I work in the public eye. I'm on camera all the time. I speak off the cuff on a regular basis. I understand what it means to misspeak, what it means to be inarticulate, what it means to stumble over your words, to phrase something inartfully, to say something that you don't really mean that comes out before you fully formed your thought and it comes out as something totally different. I, I understand that, of course. Everybody who works in the public eye understands that, especially people who make a living on video, on television. But there's a difference between that and between someone who is speaking off the cuff and showing their true colors in a comment that they may not have intended to say because they didn't want to expose their true colors. And so this is, I think, what, when we're talking about cancel culture, this is what we have to analyze on the left. Was Whoopi Goldberg, was it just, was she just misspeaking? Did she just say something dumb on accident that didn't represent what she, or doesn't represent what she actually thinks? Or is she betraying what her true colors are? And that's the first question that we have to ask. And I'm going to answer that question in just a second. But the, the other part of this is I actually fundamentally would agree that Whoopi Goldberg should not be fired or perhaps shouldn't even be suspended for her comments. But, and this is a big caveat, but that is only in a society that operates in a classically liberal way. And I'm not talking about liberal like Democrat or liberal like progressive. I'm talking about classically liberal in the classical sense, meaning that we have independent thoughts and debates, and you are not punished for engaging in certain discussions, that it is actually a respected intellectual pursuit to push and pull different ideas, different morals, different principles, different philosophies, including offensive ones. And if we lived in that society, which, and so as not to be hypothetical here, this is what college campuses originally were intended to be. You were intended to attend a college campus and be exposed to all kinds of different philosophies and ideas, good ones and bad ones, freedom and communism, immorality, morality, and you were supposed to discuss this. You were supposed to even sometimes play the devil's advocate and argue in favor of something that was offensive just for the intellectual pursuit of it. This is what philosophy is. So if if we lived in, and of course, by the way, that is not what college campuses are now. They are just indoctrination centers which have completely abandoned the idea of classical liberalism or this intellectual pursuit of philosophy and the examination of truth. So which society do we live in right now? Do we live in a classical liberal society, classically liberal society, not just college campuses, where people are allowed to discuss and debate even offensive ideas? Or do we live in a society where the rules have been set by the radical left? The rules being, if you post an offensive meme on Instagram, and offensive is in the eye of the beholder, like Gina Carano did, then you are fired by Disney. Do we live in a world where if you make, if you tweet, a moderately offensive tweet, I think we can all agree, like Roseanne Barr did, that you are not only fired, but the show which bears your name kills you off, kills you dead, kills your character dead because they don't like what you said about a former advisor to President Obama. And the point I'm trying to make here should be pretty obvious. The point I'm trying to make is we live in a, in a world, in a society, our culture right now, where the radical left, for better or for worse, and it is worse, has set the rules of cancel culture. And so my question, my question, and the reason that I almost disagree with myself when I think that Whoopi Goldberg shouldn't be fired and shouldn't be suspended, the reason that I thought, well, hmm, what do I think of this, is because I don't think 
that only Republicans should suffer the consequences, only conservatives should suffer the repercussions of the rules that the radical left set about cancel culture. If we are going to abide by the rules of cancel culture, then leftists should also suffer those repercussions. You can call it if you want mutually assured destruction. But if people like Roseanne Barr and people like Gina Carano are going to be targeted for things that they say, then why does Whoopi Goldberg get a pass? Now, again, maybe this is an intellectual thought experiment. Maybe this doesn't mean that Whoopi Goldberg should be suspended or should be fired. Maybe this doesn't mean that we should allow the left to set the terms of these rules. We shouldn't allow our society to be corrupted by cancel culture. Maybe it's more of a thought experiment to point out to the radical left how horrendous the culture that they have set, which of course is intended to stifle conservatives, to stifle Republicans. Maybe that's what this instance, maybe that's what this debate or not really debate, this consensus that Whoopi Goldberg shouldn't be suspended and shouldn't be fired. Maybe that's what it should teach our culture, that the cancel culture set by the left is horrendously wrong. It's horrendously wrong to deplatform someone who has a bad opinion, even an offensive, offensive opinion, even someone who says something as gross as Whoopi Goldberg did, denying the history of the Holocaust. Now, this goes back to the question that I asked before. Is this Whoopi Goldberg, did she just misspeak? Did she just accidentally say something dumb? Did it come out wrong? Was this inarticulate? Or is this, is this a betrayal of Whoopi Goldberg's true colors, her true feelings? And I would like Whoopi Goldberg to explain herself, which she did. She explained herself. She went on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And I'm gonna show you that video in just a second, but first... I wanna to talk to you about Paint Your Life. Paintyourlife.com, my friends, is just as cool as it sounds. This is how it works. You submit a picture, any photo, your most emotional life moment, the birth of your child, a graduation, a wedding, an anniversary, a family reunion, a sporting event, and an artist turns that photo into a painting. It's such a meaningful gift for birthdays, anniversaries, wedding. Now, when I first heard about this, I thought, well, this must be expensive, but not so, it's actually very affordable. Also. It ships pretty quick to you. Once you submit your photo, you get to approve the draft and then they ship it to you in as little as two weeks. So if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try paintyourlife.com. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You choose too from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's so fast, it's so fun, it's so meaningful. At paintyourlife.com, there's also no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. In order to get this special offer, you have to text my name, Liz, L-I-Z, to 64,000. That's Liz to 64,000. Text Liz to 64,000. Paintyourlife.com helps you celebrate the moments that matter the most. Okay, so Whoopi Goldberg went on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert the same day that she made these comments because the backlash was instant. And this is what she said. Take a look. Uh, because I've, I feel being black, when we talk about race, it's a very different thing to me. Mm -hmm. So I said that I, I felt that the Holocaust wasn't about race. And people got very, very, very angry and still are angry. I mean, I'm getting, you know, all of the, the mail from folks and mm -hmm. the very real anger because people feel very differently. But I thought it was a, a salient discussion because 
As a black person, I think of race as being something that I can see. So I see you, and I know what race you are. And the discussion was about how I felt about that. I felt that, that it was really more about man's inhumanity to man and how horrible people can be to people. And we're seeing it manifest itself these days. But people were very angry, and they said, no, no, we are a race. And I, I, I understand. I understand. I, I felt differently. I respect everything everyone is saying to me, and I, I, you know, I don't want to fake apologize. You know, I, I was, I'm very upset about, that people are misunderstood what I was saying. And so because of it, uh, they're saying that I'm anti-Semitic and that uh, I'm denying the Holocaust and all these other things, which, you know, would never occur to me to do. So it seems to me that she was doubling down on what she said. She actually expanded on what she said and said, I don't want to fake apologize. And then she she did what I hate in apologies. And you'll notice that politicians almost always apologize in this way. She said, I'm very upset that people misunderstood what I was saying. Not that I miscommunicated it, not that I was hurtful, but she put it on other people. The, the, fault, uh, the fault here is other people misunderstood what she was saying. And I would say, no, we understood perfectly well what she was saying. She was saying that the Jewish people are not a race, that the Jewish people are a religion. When Hitler deliberately targeted and murdered the Jewish people because he believed that they were an inferior race, I understand perfectly, I'm not an imbecile, I understand perfectly what Whoopi Goldberg was saying here. And this is what I would have to say. I don't know Whoopi Goldberg's heart, so I'm not going to pretend to know what's inside her head. What I will tell you is the Democratic Party Whoopi Goldberg is very leftist, very liberal, very open about that, a Biden supporter. The Democratic Party has allowed a strain, a poisonous strain of anti-Semitism to take over their party in the last decade. And it's it's truly horrendous. Any anti-Semitism should be immediately squashed, but the amount of anti-Semitism that has festered in the Democratic Party and the upper echelons of the Democratic Party should horrify everyone around the country, everyone around the world. And what I mean by this is we have a sitting member of Congress, Ilhan Omar, who is an a rabid anti-Semite. We have the squad, not just Ilhan Omar, that would be AOC, that would be Rashida Tlaib, who are pretty virulently anti-Israel. And not just anti-Israel, anti-Israel because they are anti the Jewish state. They are pro-Palestinian. And not just pro-Palestinian people, but pro-Palestinian authority in the sense that the Palestinian authority wants to annihilate Israel. So we have Ilhan Omar, and then we have the squad, AOC and Rashida Tlaib, and then we have other members of the Democratic Party who make an argument for the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divest, and Sanction movement, the Boycott, Divest, and Sanction Israel movement. This is not just not just in the halls of Congress, although, again, Ilhan Omar actually introduced a bill in support of the BDS movement, but this is something that has infiltrated the leftist movement or the Democratic Party, especially on college campuses, especially younger members of the progressive movement and the Democratic Party. There are these pro-Palestinian groups on campus that are rabidly anti-Israel, rabidly anti-Semitic, who want to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel just because Israel exists. Now, the way that you can tell the difference between, I, I want to address this argument before any leftist tries to throw this at me, the way that you can tell the difference between criticizing the Israeli government, which you can criticize the Israeli government all you want. That's no different than criticizing any government of any other country. It's 
perfectly valid and doesn't, doesn't speak to any bigotry or hatred. But the difference between criticizing the Israeli government and in a valid way or being anti-Semitic is if you have different standards for the state of Israel because they are the Jewish state than you have for other nations around the world. For example, let's use Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar was against sanctions for Venezuela. Venezuela being a socialist dictatorship that is oppressing their people, shooting journalists in the street, and just an altogether, I don't even know a non-profane word to use to describe what Maduro, the dictator, the socialist dictator, did to Venezuela. Human rights abuses out the wahoo. Yet Ilhan Omar did not support sanctions against Venezuela, but she did support sanctions against Israel. Why? Because Israel had the audacity to defend themselves against terrorism. There are rockets that are launched at civilians in Israel almost on a daily basis. Israel is always in an existential crisis for their very existence. And yet, if Israel wages an attack against any kind of building or structure that contains rockets or where terror attacks are planned, then that is the defense of their country, which is morally permissible, and permissible, by the way, under international law. But Ilhan Omar wants them not only sanctioned, she wants to essentially squeeze them at the throat until they, until they die, until the country does not exist anymore. That's what she means by boycott, divest, and sanction. She doesn't want any American company or any global com company to do business with Israel. She wants to boycott the nation completely. She wants to divest financially from, the, from Israel, and she wants to sanction them, to squeeze them out of existence. This, this is the Democratic Party. Again, it's not just Ilhan Omar. It's not just AOC and Rashida Tlaib and the squad. This is a pervasive thread of anti-Semitism that exists now in the Democratic Party that hasn't been squashed down. Nancy Pelosi has not removed Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Pelosi has essentially looked the other way. She is complicit in Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitism when she could have squashed it. She could have stomped it out. She could have gotten rid of it. She could have said there's no place for this in the Democratic Party. But Pelosi didn't do that. And then, of course, we have Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan is one of the most notorious and bigoted people in our country, one of the most rabid anti-Semites in our country who has called Jews termites. Louis Farrakhan was invited by the Congressional Black Caucus, made almost entirely of Democrats during the Obama years. Obama actually has a picture with Louis Farrakhan that the mainstream media tried to squash at the time because they didn't want to expose that Obama had taken a picture with this rabid anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan. So going back to Whoopi Goldberg, again, you have to ask, was, did she misspeak? Was this an error? Should we forgive her and let her move on because she's human and we all misspeak, especially those of us who work on camera? Or... Is this indicative of a pattern that's emerging in the Democratic Party, a poisonous ideology that has taken root among progressives and liberals? And it seems to me that Whoopi Goldberg answered that question herself. It seems to me that we don't have to speculate about which one this is. She, she told Stephen Colbert herself, I don't want to fake apologize. But denying that race was a factor in Hitler annihilating the Jews that is anti-Semitic. That is a form of Holocaust denialism. It's abhorrent. It's completely abhorrent. By the way, think about Whoopi Goldberg's name for a second. Whoopi Goldberg. This is actually a stage name. Her real name, Whoopi Goldberg's real name, her legal name is Karen Johnson. Karen Johnson. So yes, there's some irony. She's a Karen. Yes, she certainly is. But Karen Johnson, so she chose Whoopi Goldberg specifically. Why did she choose the name Whoopi Goldberg? Well, I have to imagine that she wanted her name to sound 
like a minority. She wanted to sound, she wanted her name to stereotypically sound like a black woman and then Goldberg like a Jewish person. And yet, she uses a name, a stereotypically or a traditionally Jewish name for her own advantage in her career and yet denies denies a critical part of the history of the Holocaust, a critical part of the anti-Semitism that caused millions and millions of Jews to be incinerated and murdered by Hitler. This is something that I think that we should, that we should be thinking about. The, the other reason, the other, or the other piece of evidence, I guess, that anti-Semitism has taken root in the Democratic Party is the Daily Beast reported this week that multiple sources, this is a quote, multiple sources said that Goldberg's co-hosts, Sonny Hostin, Joy Behar, and Anna Navarro are furious with the network's decision. They're furious with the network's decision. Now, these sources didn't say that these hosts were shocked or horrified by the anti-Semitism that will be that will be espoused in her comments. No, no, because these Democrats don't care as much about anti-Semitism as they do about their woke racialism, and that's essentially what Will Be Goldberg was espousing. Now, the, my fi- my final thought on this is. There was a New York Post piece that was written a week or two ago about me. This post was post was titled, Liz Wheeler is Megan McCain's top pick to replace her on The View. Um, but part, part of this, so let me read the beginning of this article. It says, The View has been in talks for months with a fire and fury conservative podcast host who isn't shy about calling out the radical left and is Megan McCain's top choice to replace her, insiders say. Producers and insiders have said the show is hunting for a unicorn who can appeal to conservative women, but also be palatable to the show's bread and butter liberals. Liz Wheeler, 32, has been in talks with the show since September. And then they quote me. They say, this is what I told them. They, I said, they were impressed with my video podcast and my voice. This is encouraging to see the view with their enormous audience and influence over demographics of key voters consider more objective voices. Now, here's where, here's where it gets a little bit ironic, given what's happening to Whoopi Goldberg. This is what the Post writes. Wheeler has been through multiple rounds of interviews with layers of The View management, including executive producer Brian Tetta. But Wheeler faces at least one big obstacle. She is unvaccinated. That issue allegedly sank Lisa Booth, another contender for the seat. This is what The View, a View insider said. Quote, if someone is unvaccinated, they would not be under consideration as that is against our corporate policy. A View insider said, suggesting it would be a deal breaker for Wheeler as well. So contrast this, my friends. Whoopi Goldberg, who espouses a historical denialism of what happened in the Holocaust, that the Jews were targeted based on their race, based on Hitler's poisonous ideology, thinking that the Jews were an inferior race. That is not too controversial for The View, but the fact that I made a personal medical decision and declined to get the COVID-19 vaccine, that is too controversial for The View. And I'll leave you with that on that topic. So as we're talking about these very liberal shows on very liberal networks, let's talk about CNN. Jeff Zucker. Oh, Jeff Zucker. Jeff Zucker is out at CNN. I think, I mean, I can't can't stop laughing about this. Um, It's okay, by the way, to celebrate this. He is a lying propagandist. A lying propagandist who deserved to be fired. He was allowed to resign for reasons that I want to lay out in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Echelon Fitness. I do want to get in shape this year, though, but I don't have time to get to the gym. Echelon Fitness brings the gym home to me. This helps a lot. It also helps to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown choreographing classes with music from your favorite artists. You also get a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon Fitness is the affordable way to get the workout equipment 
the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Their fitness instructors are supportive, engaging, and fun. They really know how to get you moving. Echelon Fitness's full range of affordable workout equipment, including stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and the auto-folding treadmill are all connected to provide the Echelon Fitness experience. They also have around-the-clock classes for the family, including full-body workout programs that keep you coming back. One membership covers a family of five, and right now, for a limited time, listeners of my show get up to $650 off MSRP. To get this exclusive discount, text my name, Liz, to 81818. Text L-I-Z to 81818 to get up to $650 off MSRP. That's Liz to 818181. Now this is a mandatory disclaimer, message and data rates may apply, see terms for details. Okay, Jeff Zucker, let's talk about this. So Jeff Zucker, good riddance to bad rubbish, as they say, he certainly deserves to be ousted at CNN. He, he has presided, by the way, over the utter collapse of CNN. I'm not just talking about the ratings, which are down, what, 90%. I'm talking about the credibility of CNN. Under Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker is perhaps single-handedly most responsible for CNN being a joke and a punchline and a meme and not trusted and no one watches it. Jeff Zucker, the buck stopped with Jeff Zucker. He's the one who was at the helm here. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a good enough reason to fire him. And it certainly is a good enough reason to fire him. There's about a billion reasons that he should have been fired. That's not why he was fired. He was fired because he had well, what began apparently as an extramarital affair with the executive vice president and chief marketing officer, whose name is Allison Gullist. Now, they were both, Jeff Zucker was married at the time and Allison Gullist was also married at the time that they allegedly began this relationship. In fact, in Katie Couric's book, there's a really creepy anecdote where she relates that Jeff Zucker and his wife and his family lived in this luxury high-rise apartment. And then Allison Gullist and her husband and her children got the apartment directly above Jeff Zucker, which to use a phrase of the kids these days, is creepy AF. Super creepy. So this has been an open secret at CNN, apparently, that these two were sexually involved. Apparently, they both divorced their spouses eventually, but apparently they didn't disclose their relationship to CNN, HR, whatever they were supposed to do, which is a violation of the terms of their contract. But is it a violation to the extent that would cause the CEO to be ousted? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. This is where it gets a little a little bit fishier, my friends. So Chris Cuomo was recently fired, right, from CNN. And why was he fired? He was fired because he lied to CNN about his involvement in helping advise his brother, former New York governor Andrew Cuomo, when Cuomo was the subject of allegations of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual mistreatment. And Cuomo told CNN, I didn't help my brother, I didn't advise my brother. And texts and an investigation showed that Cuomo, Chris Cuomo actually used his connections and his platform to help his brother. So CNN initially actually, they initially, Zucker and Allison Golist initially supported Chris Cuomo. Well, when it became too much of a PR headache when it became too obvious that Chris Cuomo had lied and that this was a, an incredibly destructive breach of journalistic integrity, CNN fired Chris Cuomo. Now, Chris Cuomo had $18 million uh, left on his contract, which after he was fired, he was like, okay, pay up. You can fire me, you can take me off air, but at least pay me what I'm due, this $18 million. And CNN has refused to do so because in a contract for someone on television, there's usually a morality clause that says if you behave in basically a morally impermissible way, then we can fire you for cause and none of the none of the rest of the contract, the contract applies, meaning we don't have to pay you out. We could just fire you if you are a gross person. So Chris Cuomo's fired. 
because he lied. After Jeff Zucker tried essentially to cover it up, he tried to brush it under the rug to see if the story would die. It didn't die, so they had to fire him. Chris Cuomo was fired. He said, okay, pay me out. CNN says no. They say, we're invoking our morality clause. We don't want to give you $18 million. And then suddenly, then very coincidentally, this is when the story about Jeff Zucker and Allison Gullis began to surface. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or Sherlock Holmes to wonder, well, did Chris Cuomo plant these stories. If this was an open secret at CNN and he was fired and denied $18 million for a morality clause, is this revenge? Is he getting back at Jeff Zucker? And I think the answer to this is pretty obviously yes. The reason for this is because Allison Gullis is not just the executive vice president and chief marketing officer at CNN. She is also, get this, the former communications director for Governor Andrew Cuomo. Yes, it's like this disgusting, incestuous, business incestuous, or incestuous business relationship between the Cuomos and CNN and Jeff Zucker and his paramour, the Zucker lover, Allison, Allison Gullis here. So the, the moral of this story is I truly think that Janice Dean, the Fox News weather girl, to use Chris Cuomo and uh, Andrew Cuomo's derogatory term or their staff's derogatory term for her, which I find in no way derogatory. The Fox News weather girl is actually taking down CNN. Because remember, all of this started when Janice Dean, when her in-laws died in a nursing home in New York State from COVID-19. And after her in-laws, her her father-in-law and her mother-in-law died, Janice Dean was the one who was on the forefront of exposing what Governor Cuomo, what Andrew Cuomo did in New York that he gave an order requiring nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients, knowing that COVID-19 was a death sentence for many of these elderly, causing the death of literally thousands and thousands of nursing home residents in the state of New York. And then when the federal government, the Trump administration began to investigate him or when the media began to inquire about it, Cuomo lied. He actively covered it up. He said he didn't. And behind the scenes, his staff said they didn't want to give the real number of people who died in nursing homes because they didn't want to make it a political thing. So they lied for their own political tale. Janice Dean was the one whose relentless reporting led to the exposure of this. Now, Janice Dean's reporting also led to the elevation of these accusations, these 11 women who levied accusations of sexual misconduct against Andrew Cuomo. Ultimately, that's why Andrew Cuomo resigned. He resigned because of these allegations. Now, at the time I said, and I stand by this, Andrew Cuomo resigned ostensibly because of these women and their sexual misconduct allegations, but it was really just a scapegoat so that the Democratic Party or the Democrats on a national level didn't have to hold Andrew Cuomo accountable for his COVID malfeasance, the $2 million advance that he got on his book while he was sending old people to their death, the lying about it, just this awful unscientific authoritarian tyranny that actually led to the death of grandmothers and grandfathers across the state. So Cuomo resigned because of those sexual, uh, those sexual misconduct allegations. This is where Chris Cuomo then was behind the scenes trying to help Andrew Cuomo debunk these, trying to go after the women, to find dirt on them, to use his connections to bolster his brother's his brother's popularity, I guess, in, in the eyes of the public to try to get him past this scandal. And so think about the work of Janice Dean exposed the governor's COVID malfeasance, 
which led to the sexual allegations, the sexual misconduct allegations, which led to his resignation, which led to Chris Cuomo trying to help him, which led to Jeff Zucker and Allison Gullis at first sticking up for Chris Cuomo and then firing him, which led Chris Cuomo to say, you owe me $18 million, which led CNN to say, nope, you violated your morality clause, we're not paying you, which led probably my guess would be Chris Cuomo to make public this open secret at CNN that Jeff Zucker and Allison Golis were engaged in this inappropriate sexual relationship that they hadn't disclosed as per the terms of CNN, corp- the corporate CNN rules. In other words, the Fox News weather girl, Janice Dean, is taking down CNN because now Jeff Zucker has been forced to resign. Now, let me add, I also think that Jeff Zucker's resignation for this relationship is, I also think it's a scapegoat. I don't think that this would have been enough absent everything else that is happening at CNN. I don't think that this would have been enough for a resignation. I actually don't even think that maybe it warrants a resignation. They're adults. If it's consensual, I don't care what they're doing. Um, I I think it's disgusting and immoral that they cheated on their spouses, that they divorced their spouses. I think it's gross. But is it enough to fire someone? I don't know if it's if it's worthy of that. There wasn't any abuse here. There wasn't any there wasn't any non consensual non consensual sex here. So I don't think that it even kind of close rises to the level of of a fireable offense. But I do think it's an incredible scapegoat because now CNN can get rid of Jeff Zucker without addressing the fact that Jeff Zucker turned CNN essentially into a state sponsored media apparatus into a propagandist network where they stifle the truth and elevate politicians' narratives where they to- they weaponized lies against a Supreme Court nominee, Kavanaugh, who would later become a justice on the Supreme Court. Lies. Remember, Brian Stelter actually had Michael Avenatti on his show suggesting that Michael Avenatti, who was issuing all of these horrendously absurd false allegations against Kavanaugh, that he was part of a, uh, a, a gang rape ring in high school. This, these crazy, bizarro, obviously false allegations against Kavanaugh. He, not only did CNN have Avenatti on the show, Brian Stelter suggested that Avenatti could be president. So CNN weaponized that lie to try to take down a Supreme Court nominee because CNN doesn't like the Constitution and likes abortion. They also weaponized lies in the Russia collusion, in in Russiagate, to try to take down a duly elected president that they didn't like. They elevated lies in the Ukraine Ukraine impeachment saga. I can go on and on here. CNN lost the trust of the American people because they turned themselves into a propaganda apparatus. I mean, CNN is the network that had a ticker a death ticker for how many people have died of COVID while they are just parroting big pharma. They're not questioning Dr. Fauci. They're lying to the American people about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and early treatments and masks and lockdowns and vaccines and vax mandates. CNN is a lying propagandist network and Jeff Zucker is the person who bears the single greatest responsibility for this because with one phone call, one text, one email, one word, stop or no, Jeff Zucker could have stopped his network from behaving in this way, but he didn't. He encouraged it as phone calls from Project Veritas proved over a year ago, two years ago. So what is this resignation from Jeff Zucker? Yeah, go ahead and celebrate it. I certainly am, he deserves it. I hope he doesn't get a job in media ever again. I think that he has disgraced himself but not so much because of why he said he resigned. 
but because of what he turned CNN into. This is a convenient way to get rid of a miserable failure, just like Andrew Cuomo's resignation was in New York. And at the end of the day, the moral of the story, of course, is that Janice Dean, the fabulous weather girl from Fox News, is taking down CNN. Don't you love to see this? Meanwhile, up in Canada, let's talk about Trudeau for one second. Before we talk about Trudeau, I want to talk to you about trust and will. We all know that we need one, but most of us, if we are being honest with ourselves, put off creating a trust or a will because it sounds complex, it's expensive, maybe we don't want to face our own mortality. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple. It's convenient and it's secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children. You can determine who gets your stuff in the event of your death. And you can plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your own home. Hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands of dollars. Nobody wants to do that. They use a one-size-fits-all template that's not nearly specialized enough for you. Well, trustandwill.com documents are designed by estate planning experts and they are customized for the state you live in. They have live customer support seven days a week. Trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. They are the most trusted name in estate online estate planning. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz. If you use my specific URL, trustandwill.com slash Liz, then you will get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping if you use my URL trustandwill.com slash Liz. Trustandwill.com slash Liz. It's the responsible thing to do. You will be glad you did it. So Justin Trudeau up in Canada is COVID-19 positive. I'm not laughing at him because he's sick. I'm not that mean. I am laughing at him because he has enacted these vaccine mandates, which he claims will stop the spread of COVID-19, which is obviously false based on the fact that he tested positive for COVID-19. So I'm allowed to laugh at that. I'm allowed to find that to be amusing, to see the hypocrisy and the lies of the elitists in this, the hierarchical elitists as they are exposed to the people. Well, 50,000 truckers, one and a half million people protesting in Ottawa, Canada right now. And this is what Justin Trudeau, the prime minister tweets. He says, today in the house, members of parliament unanimously condemned the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia, and transphobia that we've seen on display in Ottawa over the past number of days. Together, let's keep working to make Canada more inclusive. Uh, I laughed so hard when I read this tweet because my first thought was, wow, somebody's threatened by the truckers and not in the way that he's, that he's making accusations, of course. No, no, he's threatened. Justin Trudeau is threatened by the truth. He's threatened by science. So what do leftists do when they are threatened? What do they do when they are backed into a corner? What do they do when their corruption is about to be exposed? Well, they hurl their favorite weapon. They whip out white supremacist, racist, Islamophobic, transphobic, and they throw it right at you. Nobody is falling for this. Nobody. 50,000 truckers are going to take down Justin Trudeau's vaccine mandate. It's not racist. It's not Islamophobic. It's not transphobic. It's not any other hateful, bigoted word that Justin Trudeau wants to throw around. And here's what I will say. I'm sure there are one or two people here and there, as there are in any protest, in any group of people who are saying nasty things. But does that mean that the entire group is tinged with that? Obviously not. No one believes that. Not even leftists believe that. Trudeau has jumped the shark on this one. And as I said, it really exposes exactly how fearful he is, exactly how fearful he is that the truckers will expose his lying, unscientific COVID tyranny. He is an absolute, total, ridiculous hack who deserves to be impeached. Now, speaking of COVID tyranny, the other week I was down in Washington, D.C., 
And I, I spoke about this. We, we talked about this because there's this aura over Washington, D.C. right now. It's really depressing. It's really sad. It feels like there's a cloud over Washington, D.C. because Mayor Bowser in D.C. has enacted a vaccine mandate. You can't go in the gym. You can't go in restaurants. I couldn't go anywhere because I have chosen a personal medical decision not to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And you could, I couldn't go anywhere. And so it's really depressing. There was one restaurant, however, one restaurant that I did go to because they made it clear that anybody was welcome at their establishment, that they would not be checking vaccine cards, that they would not be forcing masks, despite what the mayor said. It's called the Big Board in D.C. It's a burger joint. And so I went there. I went there with my husband. I went there with my business partners. I went there with my friends and my baby. Yes, I took my baby to a bar. And it, it was wonderful. It was fun. It, it was a little taste of what life used to be. It was a little taste of what it used to be like to go to Washington, D.C. before Mayor Bowser issued this tyranny. Now, the sad thing is the owner of this joint, Eric Flannery, kudos to this man for bucking the tyranny, for standing up. And it's more than kudos. It's actually amazing. It's astounding. It's inspiring to see this one person saying, you know what? What you are trying to force me to do is wrong. It's illegal. It's unconstitutional. And I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not being violent. I'm simply going to engage in civil disobedience and I'm not going to do it because it's wrong. And the sad part of this is that there's only one restaurant, at least that I'm aware of in Washington, D.C. that's doing this. But in response to this, the D.C. Department of Health um, suspended, or first, by the way, first over the weekend, the bar had their liquor license suspended for not checking customers, vaccination cards. But then the DC Department of Health taped a closure notice on the bar. They're shutting down uh, the big board because the big board will not serve as agents of the government and enforce Mayor Bowser's draconian vaccine mandate. You can see this, you can see this on the screen. It's really horrendous. This is something that you would see in an authoritarian country. I mean, this smacks of something you'd see in the Soviet Union, something you'd see in communist China, something you'd see in, in Cuba, under a communist regime, you wouldn't expect to see this in our nation's capital, in Washington, D.C. And in, in the wake of this, I was so happy to hear this, in the wake of this notice from the D.C. Department of Health, Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Thomas Massey went to the big board and ordered burgers and fries and water, since the big board's not allowed to serve liquor right now, in support of this restaurant. And I swear this will bring a tear to your eye when you hear Eric Flannery, he's the owner of the bar, talking about why he's doing what he's doing and what the repercussions are gonna be. Take a listen to this. We're not doing anything wrong. We're treating everybody with respect. There's not been any bad incidents here. It just hasn't happened. Uh, and I, I hope that they will see the folly of somebody here who is serving you a drink having to wear a mask. I think I'm not, the government doesn't send me a paycheck. I send the government money. I am not an agent of the government to do this. If they want to come down and check people's medical status, they're more than welcome to. I don't have the people for that. When people walk into this place, we get them and sit them down and get them a drink and get them a beer. That's, that's it. We get them food, really good food. Um, and I, I'm talking a lot here, but I'm telling you, this is, this is what I want to do. I'm not... And the, thank you. Thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. When people ask me, what, where are you going to get on the other side of this? I don't know. I just know that I'm doing the right thing. And th this place is supposed to be open.
uh, the first time I watched that, it brought a tear to my eye because I thought, this is just a regular everyday guy. This is just a man standing up for what's right. And I thought, more of this, please. I actually have a funny anecdote about, about this, about the big board in D.C. So I mentioned that I went there with my husband and my baby. So it was actually, we went there and it was my, it was Lady Baby's first birthday. And we were in D.C., so we didn't have a birthday party for her. And I felt, I felt kind of bad, kind of sad that we hadn't had a first birthday party for her. Although, of course, she wouldn't remember first birthday parties or for the parents and friends. But we're sitting around this table. And honestly, it's later. It's probably close nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, a little bit later than a a one-year-old should probably be out. But we mentioned to the staff that it was her first birthday since she was the only baby in the bar. We asked them if they had a candle that we could put in a piece of cake to at least sing her happy birthday. And they didn't have a candle. They didn't have a birthday candle. So they took one of the paper straws that are are also um, a pet project of the radical left, put it in a piece of cake, lit it with a cigarette lighter, and we sang happy birthday. And it is, I have it on video. It's one of the funniest memories for me and my family that I'm not going to show Lady Baby until she is an adult that we had her first birthday party in a bar late at night. But they were, they were such lovely people. And I'm so, I, I was so happy to give my support to them. And I encourage everybody to give their support to this restaurant. But here's the other thing. We need more like this, please. Imagine if 75% of restaurants in Washington, D.C. just said no just said, we refuse to comply. They're not being agitated about it. They're certainly not being violent about it. In fact, the owner of the big board said, if the government wants to send agents to check people's vaccination cards, be my guest, but I, I don't have the manpower for it. I'm not gonna do it. And this, this is one of the fundamental problems, many problems, but it's one of the fundamental problems of these government mandated vaccine passports is that the government's forcing the private sector, private businesses, private citizens to act as agents of the state just in order to do business. They're forcing private businesses to be the enforcers of these dictates. And that is so egregiously wrong across the board that most Americans agree that it's completely wrong. But we need, we need more restaurants like this, more bars like this, more establishments who are just willing to say, stop. And if we have more than just one, one's easy to bully, one might even be easy to shut down. But if we have enough people standing up and saying, I will not comply, we will not comply, we will not do this, the government doesn't have the capacity to enforce it across the board. And so I encourage you, I challenge you, I charge you, if you are an establishment, if you are a restaurant, a bar, or another venue under the draconian mandate, the draconian vaccine mandate in Washington, D.C., or any other city where this has been imposed, do not comply. Stand up and do not comply. And if you are open about this, you will be shocked. You will be shocked and humbled and impressed by how many of us will turn out in support of you, how many of us will patronize your business now and forevermore because of what you did for us. The Locals VIP of the week is Metal Mike. Metal Mike, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. We are delighted to have you. As always, not only introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, tell us what issues you think are most important, and tell us whether you think that Republicans in 2022 will take back both the House and Senate or just the House. I'm interested in your opinion. Post it on Locals. For those of you who are not yet uh, part of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, I have a promo code for you. It is NOVAX, N-O-V-A-X, and you get one month, a one month free trial on your annual subscription. NOVAX, N-O-V-A-X, a one month free subscription. We just did a live, I just did a live talking about a Democratic Congresswoman who announced that she will not see in person any of her constituents if her constituents have not taken the COVID-19 vaccine, which is bad enough, but she also prohibited her staff from meeting in person with constituents who are unvaxxed and I had quite a bit to say about that. And so did all of the VIPs 
on the Liz Wheeler Show community. So join us. Novax, N-O-V-A-X is the promo code. You can get a one-month free trial in your annual subscription. Join us at lizwheelershow.com slash locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals, promo code Novax. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.